Bring It Up show is produced by Chelsea Balzer on Instagram at Big Feels Lab and Eric Anker on Instagram at critical.empathy. We're living the cream dream here, friends. We're living friends. the cream dream right now. It's the hot wash. Hot wash. Wash your face. I, she, I have to sing with you. Oh, you can't start. I cannot you're sing. saying you're not the not one. Not by myself at all, ever. Don't <laughs> okay, let that happen I'll rem- again. I'll remember that next time. <laughs> all right. We just did Lotus. Lotus. That was a great... A fantastic offering from Lotus talking about family. trying to come to a new place with her parents. Yes. Such a common problem so for all of us. Across time. Across time. Across this is how time moves forward. Yeah. Is this the struggle and the grief and frustration of this issue? So, Absolutely. but I thought she had a particular, you know, I mean, she was talking about culture. She was talking about her Asian background and her family's sort of paradigm. I think Absolutely. We said the word paradigm and we should just point times. out right now that we are not Asian. No. Mm-mm. We are white people. Yeah, we're trying. But I mean, I think that's what really a tough thing here with codependency. Okay. So, as a therapist, codependency is something I specialize in. And it's, in my opinion, impossible to fully um, detach the notion of codependency from an individualistic culture. So individualistic culture versus collectivist culture, right? So Right. So you're saying codependency is more often a phenomenon in individualistic culture? I'm, I'm saying people are concerned about it in individualistic cultures. Oh, I don't yeah. think that oh, it's a like concern. this is like one of those things where the, the context is creating the, yes, exactly. the specific thing, like ADHD is only right. exists because classrooms are actually stupid. So, <laughs> so stupid. But yeah, I mean, I think, and I, of course, I haven't spent a lot of time in uh, collectivistic cultures. I haven't lived in one, so I can't really speak to that t- entirely, but I have had conversations with folks, you know, living and from that culture. And to some people, it sounds really silly to say, you know, that's a very codependent behavior. It's like, um, well, we value. Yeah, their version of what they would call codependency. And when I say they, I mean, anybody who's in a collectivistic culture, collectivist mm-hmm. culture, <laughs> words, everybody. <laughs> Cholestivist culture. Cholesterol I'm thirsty and culture. my mouth is weird. But uh, I imagine that the notion of codependency is full is more full of useful paradigms than well yeah ones it's a fun, it's about values culture we would they s- might value right. some things we would call unhealthy and so i just want to yeah. be careful about that and i i don't think there's an answer because i view rather than viewing codependency as this really toxic problem that has to be you know just cut and Slopped off from our lives and like we need to just move toward the healthy way i see codependency as an attempt to restore balance from an super overly Overly individualistic individualistic mindset where everyone is for themselves right and so in our culture a lot of genderized expectations have been laid to sort of make up for and compensate for the fact that we see people as like being needy is a problem. You should be independent. Even the word needy is so loaded. Sounds like people gross. aren't all needy. Exactly. <laughs> what but is we, needy to have needs? Like exactly. And so I think that um, we've we've hidden the the reality of needs within um, gender. So we're like, oh well, women just oh, take yeah. care of people. It's natural. It's just what they want to do. Nurturers, They're right? Natural nurturers. And so that's why I think a lot more women are saying that they're codependent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted to point out that those things are really tied together. They're not separate. 
And at the same time, functionally speaking, it's important to set boundaries. It is important. And so, you know, the, the situation that Lotus is in is a real situation. It's a necessary conversation, I think, at least for her to have with it's herself. It's almost um, the most boundary setting context that uh, yes. she's it's trying to set boundaries. Trying to parents, set boundaries. Trying to set some boundaries. Which is the hardest, I think, the hardest relationship within which to define what is a healthy boundary or what is not Mm -hmm. because even forgetting all the context of all the existential issues around codependency it's like parenting is inherently a process of over over functioning for another person until they can function for themselves and when does a person become capable of those things People have different ideas about that. I want to quick define in my terms over functioning because I, that term, not, I think we you said, have defined it. I but, can't remember but if we it said it. Always yeah, go for it. lands in my mind. I have to kind of revisit it every time go I hear it. it. So I'm understanding over functioning is basically assuming the reaction that someone else is going to have based on what I'm going to do. Like anticipate it's yes. Anticipating where someone's going to go and like laying unnecessarily laying too much groundwork and not letting somebody have an organic response to what's happening because I've tried to predict how they're going to happen. And now I'm making decisions and things based on a thing that I think might happen or I've decided That's is going so to happen. That's so much more complicated than what I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's yeah. like, I'm not, I, I, I am gonna, I'm looking at you. And so I am going to offer you a glass of water because it looks like you're thirsty. Yeah, that's over-functioning. That's what I'm... How about doing somebody's work for them? <clears throat> Doing someone's work for them is... Doing things for other people that you don't need to do for them. I mean, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. In layman's terms. I'm also seeing it as kind of like taking someone's autonomy away by thinking that I know how they're going to respond. Or what they need. Exactly. Yes, yes, Yeah, it's inherently a little condescending. it's a two-sided coin, too, because if someone is not communicating their needs... Well, it's... We overfunction when we're in relationship with an underfunctioner. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it kind of takes two to tango. But in this case with Lotus, the perception that her parents have is that she's not meeting just a difference in values, a different worldview. So like, oh, not being married. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that was one thing yes. that she mentioned that from their perspective might seem like a failure to reach a milestone right but from her perspective is actually an expression of her agency it's a choice it's a different lifestyle that she's effectively achieving yes. rather than being in a relationship she doesn't yes. want to be in she's like i'm doing it i'm not living a life that i hate and so that's where this conversation and all boundary conversations um get can get really tricky is when we're not just talking about a specific thing like can you stop doing this we're talking about would it be possible for you to see the world the way i do right (laughs) which is a a lot bigger ask there's so many versions of can't you just be happy that i'm happy right when it comes to kids and their parents Mm -hmm. this is a common thing and part of what lotus is experiencing is she wants her parents to see her as a full person capable of joy and happiness on her own terms. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who's trying to make a change to the relational sh- dynamic, right. she may need to find some way to make that offering first in the conversation and then, and then right. point it out to her parent and say, this is a way that I am just hearing you and not trying to put what I think you should be saying into your mind. But right? I think as a with parents, this is... It's harder with parents. Well, because we inherently want our parents to see us the way we see ourselves. Right. We talk about this a lot. Right. We want them to see what we pride ourselves on. So look at me. Look at what I'm doing. And so they're looking for totally different markers than what she's trying to show them. And so I think that 
in order to have the conversation where we offer first to our parents, we have to kind of inherently experience the grief of like, they may not be capable of reciprocating at this point in their lives. It may be like, they're just not interested in taking on my worldview in a way that would they, they would have to to see what I like about myself yeah. and the life I've built. That's part of uh, what I try to work with with critical thinking is having the ability to switch worldviews, switch entire ideologies is. for just a moment. To see. Because so you, you can always go back. You can always go back to thinking the way that you thought. There's no... Well, no, maybe you can't always go back. And that's... I know, but that's what I like to tell people. Well... So that they're not scared to have a this? new idea. If you can go back, then that's a sign that your worldview isn't based on rigidity and fear. You know, if I can consider what it might feel like to be a parent from a collectivist culture and think, okay, yeah, I can see why they're worried about her. Yeah, well, right. But right. then... But if my worldview was based on mine's right, nobody else's is right. I'm not saying her parents is, but a lot of people's it are. Then yeah. for them to even actually validate another worldview would make it maybe impossible to go back to believing all gay people are terrible. That's a worldview yeah. you can't really. <laughs> yeah, but I like to tell people that they can. <laughs> Which is lying. Because, no, no, well. <laughs> No, no, no. This is not lying. This is not okay, lying because okay, worldviews are made up of components. And Don't get overly esoteric. We got to keep the people with us here. Okay. Worldviews are made up of components. A lot of beliefs. A lot of beliefs. I see all these components out on the table in front of me. Yeah. And so when I'm trying to push somebody who, say, has a hateful worldview yeah. into a new... This is a dialogic concept. Gotcha. A new worldview that is less hateful. Yeah. I will like... I'll, I'll tell them, like, all these pieces you have here, they don't need to go anywhere. Just well, that's take, true. You're right. The fact of the matter is that it's, they're like opposing magnets. Like some of the ideas that I'm getting that I want them to embrace... Mm -hmm. are going to push some of those other ideas off of the table. Right. I don't want them to know that ahead of time. Well, There's I no mean, denying that. The option is still technically there. So in that way, I'll say you're not lying. Sure, you can understand where someone is coming from and then choose to hate them. Right. But it's pretty hard. It's very hard. It's not likely. Mm -hmm. But then isn't that a good thing? I mean, I'm going to say, yeah, but I think that that's part of why it's hard for people to take on someone else's perspective fully is there's some part of them that knows you know there might be information here that's going to really force me to rethink everything yeah i like to try to push that away <laughs> i'm standing my ground here man because it's yeah. like better ideas are better ideas mm. if somebody's really comfortable with their bad ideas those bad ideas make up their identity i don't want to attack their identity no before so that i don't want to remove the negative thing and have any time where there's a void there because mm -hmm. that's what's scary i want to put the th the good thing next to the negative thing and just watch it kind of scoot the negative thing out of the way and the good thing is empathy the good thing is empathy yeah absolutely the good thing or, or being able to take on a new worldview and just try mm -hmm. it if somebody is in a hateful worldview they're out in the cold they've gotten comfortable out in the cold they know all the nuances of the cold rocks and how the snows and they're freezing and they're and very they probably think it's worse inside there's they probably think it's exactly. worse inside. So I'm going to tell them, hey, man, if you come inside, you can always go back outside. Are they going right. to want to? Very likely not. 
but I right. want to let them know that they they don't need to give anything up. Got it. Every new idea is an addition to other ideas. Well, and then that allows their identity. I think I hear what you're saying because it allows their identity to be the thing that moves between these spaces. The Ex- ideas are not you. E- exactly. They're just ideas. They're out here. They're spaces. You can move into one and out of one. And that's yes. actually the way we talk about empathy and the tool. And that's it, how empathy is, is a tool for getting what, information. Yes, this is what you're always saying. Yes, yes. So in this case, though, I think yeah, that is back, what Lotus is trying to ask for. And that is a more difficult conversation than saying, can you not call me at 6 a.m.? You know, that's like very specific boundary that yeah. I think she was saying, like, part of it is the boundary issue. And like, there are specific things that it sounded like she didn't give us necessarily examples of, but mm-hmm. that she wanted to address with them. But her deeper longing was for them to shift into her perspective just enough to see that she is okay and they she has I, beauty and that she, i think that she probably if you she's like what? the rest of us wants them to be proud of her yeah and feel like she really is doing it yeah and it is living the life she's trying to live which is an effort especially when people don't see it the people that matter to you are confused by every choice you're making it's really hard yeah. to continue on and so I thought it was just really beautiful the way she articulated, you know, feeling as if this is a part of her ancestral work, part of the intergenerational healing, because yeah. she mentioned a little bit about um, like her, her parents and their childhoods. And she's able to empathize with how they came to their perspectives and like her mom having polio and how she had kept a lot of that pain to herself so as not to burden others, which is a very collectivistic value. And I mean, I get that. I mean, like that's a coherent thought and it's, it's devastating to think about her mom sort of like holding to that, even in this relationship now where Lotus is saying like, I don't want you to do that for me. Like, I want to know you. And she kept saying, as a person, as a person. Yeah. And I think it is, it's not even about like parent or not parent. It's about like, I think that the framework of empathy is like, let me just see your experience, right? Let me just, let me feel what that's like for you. Yeah, I use, I've mentioned this before in our like personal talks, but I use sort of a dual approach to this where sort of rooted in an awareness of cognitive-based therapy, an awareness of it, not a practice. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) But, you know, thoughts and emotions work together. Asking which one comes first, kind of pointless, really, unless you're going to get way down into the weeds. But Mm -hmm. thoughts lead emotions. When When I'm in a depressive state, I know that there are thoughts occurring in my mind that are hopeless thoughts, that are repetitive looping thoughts mm-hmm. um maybe that emotion came first and the thoughts followed or maybe the thoughts came and then the emotion came who knows but empathy can, you can have two arms you got two hands to do empathy you can see what is somebody thinking if they're having this feeling everybody what, has what two are they arms. what are they thinking everybody sorry. has two not arms. not everybody has two arms that's so true okay so ableist going. of me i'm sorry no i'm shamed now and i can't i didn't talk. shame you i just tried no, 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 to you're whisper right, it you're, you're, you're right you're right you're right i whispered um, it some, i hear where you're going so there are two metaphorical hands here that anyone can use great to Try to understand just a thought and what emotion that might cause or understand an emotion and try to decipher what thought that might cause. And so once you get one foot in the door and one of those things, you kind of get caught in the swirl and then you can start to have some empathy. I wanted to sort of bring up two, I think I had two more things to bring up. Bring them, bring Um, them up. The first one is about those boundaries that we talked about with Lotus Mm -hmm. and, you know, 
don't call me at 6 a.m. That kind of boundary. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is an example of telling. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I wonder what your thoughts are, Chelsea, on. Is it is it possible to find an experience that is acceptable by just doing that and sort of like... Mm. Yeah. Because if you because I feel like this with my parents and certain issues, I yeah. feel like the, the doorway into these issues is so hot. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to go through that hot door. So I just keep showing instead of telling. I just keep yeah. being like, no, I'm not going to do this thing that you want me to do that's against my values. I'm not going to. Um, right. Like, no thanks on church. No thanks on church. I can see this conversation starting to lean into ideology. I'm going to get off the phone. Right. Uh, things like that. Yeah. To just, to just, and I, I've found that my experience is good. And I, 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 I don't know. I mourn. I mourn for the loss of potential for my parents to see me fully. We, but. Yes. We can't give up on that until we are fully given up on it. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. we can't rush the process of grief mm-hmm. in this area. Right. Because the truth is it's not a matter of yes or no. They see me. It's how much can they see me? And that's true on all relationships. Yeah. Right. No, I don't think anyone, including ourselves, we can never fully see ourselves. It's like I can't understand everything about myself, but we might have, okay, they understand this part of me. They really understand the the ways I feel comfortable. And I'm lucky and to have parents that actually do see me on those other fronts. In some other fronts. In some other fronts, yes. And that's really absolutely. lucky. And so like, you know, for like Lotus, it's probably a matter right now of assessing what is salvageable. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we go into the mindset of being really specific about boundaries and like getting off the phone when it becomes an argument and like not going to church. Those are concessions. Yeah. We've like decided, okay, it's not worth it for me to go into this arena where more full understanding might be possible. And there's some grief in that. That's kind of a surrendering position, Yeah, but it's also damage control. It's just maintenance. It's like, okay, this is the kind of relationship I can have with this person. This is the only kind that I think is possible. And so I'm going to enact boundaries to make that fit in my life. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm talking about me now instead of Lotus, but yeah. here we are. This, this is what the hot wash is for, everybody. We kind of get into our stuff <laughs> yeah. a little bit. But I see going there as going there is going to cause some damage, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Ruptures make relationships stronger. As long as both and, people are willing to repair them. Right. If I think not, my parents then, would be if I, yeah. if I did go there with them. They probably would be, but maybe I'm just too lazy or think the, the experience now is good enough. I have a, I have a B plus experience. I'm not, I don't need five gold stars here. Right. Maybe if we lived in the same city and interacted more, but I right. live thousands of miles away. So it's like, I'm just going to let this be. Yeah. The other question I had was, is about culture. Mm. All cultures have this phenomenon uh, of carrying along with them traumatic components. Cultures, oh yeah. Our oh, culture, yeah. white culture, whatever culture, every culture has components that inherently cause trauma. So, one thing that if I was in Lotus's shoes and trying to have a conversation around the culture, cultural components are bringing along with it. These are the threads that are woven together, the braid that you have to be careful not to cut the whole braid if you're just trying to cut one little thread. The culture is bringing with it the notions of parenthood and being a kid, that that family dynamic is like wrapped. Like what it means to be a parent. What it means to be a parent and what it means to be a child is wrapped into the culture. Always, And there's yeah. also things wrapped into the culture that, that Lotus is trying to get away from. Right. So I would say it would be good. You know, I'm all I'm all about trying to cushion the landing space as much as possible yeah. for hard information. And mm-hmm. a way to do that is to, in, in her situation, is to make an offering of where she values, where she does value yes. the culture solely for the culture's sake. 
and then just explain that she's not she's not swinging a sword at the, against, whole, at thing. the whole thing. She's yeah. coming in very carefully and does not want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, and I think that, yes, absolutely. I think that this conversation is happening in they came into another culture themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, every generation is already doing this, even if there isn't a relocation. Cultures are shifting all the time. Yes. That's what they're doing. And so I think that the simplest way to say this to our parents is like, the world is changing, mom. You don't yeah. like that. No, oh, no, you do I like love that. It. Oh, you were, not, you were shaking your head thinking, in pleasure. Um, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was like, oh. The, ta- the times they yeah. are changing. The times they are changing, mom. Embrace that. Especially with, yeah. our, with our parents, the baby boomers. Yes. They've seen all this change. They lived through civil rights in the 60s. Yeah. They know what it's like when it's changing. Oh, Chelsea, that's brilliant. Is it? I think it's super brilliant because it's, it's something they can that... identify with. It's, it's, the that all, our, it's the only thing that worked for me, you know, when so I good. was in an interracial relationship and my dad was like truly like worried about me in the most disgusting and gross. horrifying way. And my dad has a lot of gross ideas. But I was just like, dad, the world is different now. Yeah. And because he can't understand sentences that are longer than that. Oh, that's... <laughs> Sorry. Savage. He was emotionally charged. And I and then he looked at me and he was like, oh, like, I think that at least part of it for him was worry for me. And I was like, okay, I don't mean to, like, point out the obvious, but Obama was the president. Like, he's from an interracial family. Yeah. Like, I don't know how else to say this. This is, like, not taboo in the i mean yeah okay in some cultures like not in my world and so i just had to say like hey the world is different now Mm -hmm. and i think that was the only moment where he was like different now mom and dad let's have a conversation about it together yeah let's go into this new we're in a whole new room now yeah i'm not trying to come in and replace the refrigerator with my (laughs) eco-friendly ice box thing you can keep your weird old refrigerator i guess but we're all in a new... And so let's talk about this new place together. Yes, Because yes. I kind of started off here a little bit more. I'm already living in this I'm world. It's like, I don't world. know how to so tell you this. Do you, do you agree, mom and dad, that the world does change? This is the world change? I live in already. So if you want to know me, you got to know me in this world. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. live in this other I think world. That, I think that's a good... That's an easier pill to swallow. Yeah. Is that the world is changing. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. Oh, I might have to take that. I might, I might have to take that. I'm surprised you don't do it. Bank. I think you already have it in your bank account. It's definitely in my bank account. This was this was really good. And there's, this of course, great. we could talk for a million years, but this is just a hard one. And thank you so much to Lotus for sharing, you know, the story of what she's going through. And yeah. very full of gratitude for our listeners. Yeah. Learning a ton of shit from this because this was a good conversation. So <laughs> hopefully you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Musical talent is Ben Kronberg at soundfart.com. 